We are not telling you to quit your job. Here at Off The Clock, the Healthcare Entrepreneurs Podcast, we are teaching you exactly how to gain your freedom as a healthcare professional in places that school never taught you. This is OTC University and class is in session. Welcome to another edition of Off the Clock, the Healthcare Entrepreneurs Podcast. As always, I'm the captivating, motivating, tentilating, and money making Mr. Carborn Jr. And I got my main man, Mr. Paulo Chang, in the building. Paul, say what's up to the people. What up to the people? It's your boy, Paul. I'm happy to be here. Yes, sir. So, I mean, you guys already know at this point, we're 80 plus episodes in. Every episode is about bringing you value, bringing you guests that just upgrade your business, your life, whatever you need. We got you. This episode is a unique episode, and I'm looking forward to this one, especially for my student physical therapists, my new grad PTs, my athletic trainers, anyone that is interested in diving deep into the world of sports. We got an expert in the building, so I'm very excited, man. We have Dr. Michael Ashton, who is a doctor of physical therapy and a graduate of the Hampton University. He also completed a postdoctorate residency and fellowship in manual therapy with the Ola Grimsby Institute. From 2016 to 2020, my man worked for the OKC Thunder as a PT and athletic trainer, and he served in the dual role for the OK City Blue before joining the Thunder in 2018. He is now currently the Washington Wizards Director of Player Health and as a dual credentialed clinician in PT and athletic training, he provides integrative rehabilitation services and implements injury reduction strategies. Come on, come on, y'all. Like this, this episode is about to be fire. So with that being said, I do want to go ahead and introduce our guest. We got Dr. Michael Ashton in the building. <laughs> yes, sir. Dog, talk to us, man. How you feeling? Thank you so much for joining. Man, after that intro, I'm feeling great. I've never <laughs> in my life heard an intro like that. I was like, who is this person? Is that me? <laughs> no, I'm great. It's great to be here, man. It's an honor and a pleasure to be here with you guys today. Yeah, man. Thank you for joining us. Uh, this This has been in the making for a while, so I'm glad we were finally able to get it on the books and, and get this thing done. So we always like to kind of be respectful of our guest time, you know, but before we really dive into things, it feels like the most appropriate thing to do is always to kind of take a second to stop and start with why, right? Because a lot of what you do and who you are stems from the why. And so with that being said, before we get into everything, Tell us, why did you choose to pursue the field of physical therapy as well as athletic training? Because that's that's a nice little dual combo you got going there. So tell us the why behind that. Well, again, thank you for having me. My why may sound a bit cliche because a lot of people say this, but truly my why is because I love people. I love helping people. And my thing is just doing what I can to improve people's lives. Um, when it comes to physical therapy and athletic training, it just happens to comprise everything that I love. You know, I love working with the human body. 
I love exercise, and I love working one-on-one -on -one with people. So I like to call physical therapy my ministry, not that I serve it as it's a religion, but it's almost like the vehicle to allow me to help other people. You know, there's this thing in physical therapy, especially that you're hearing now, is the biopsychosocial model. And that comprises everything. I mean, you're working with the body, but not just with the body. You're working with the people's mind, and you're trying to help them become more social. So that's it in a nutshell. This allows me to do my ministry in helping people. So I'm sorry, Paul. I'm I'm kind of I'm kind of gonna take the lead on this one. Uh, I really want to kind of dive into just kind of debunking some myths right out the gate. And the reason why I, I say this is because a lot of time, and we can we can we can go here, right? We we got three brothers on here, so we we can go there, right? We can talk about our people. We can talk about our culture freely because we understand um you know our plight and what we deal with and a lot of times growing up you know as an african-american male or female we're so accustomed to thinking that if we're going to be successful or if we're going to make that money to take care of mom and dad and grandma and everybody else we got to be a ball player right we got to be a, a professional athlete um or an entertainer now just from a standpoint of what you're doing you're showing we can we can you want to get to the league we can still get to the league there's different routes to take to get there you know and i love that because i think a lot of us don't realize that that is a feasible option that we can um, choose and so the question that i kind of want to make sure i hit is just in terms of getting into the field of sports as a PT, as an athletic trainer, what would you say are the, the biggest myths, the three biggest myths, if you had to pick three? If you have more, we can dive into that, but just in terms of getting into the profession and to kind of help you out a little bit more with that too. I'll tell you one thing that I hear a lot is, oh, you don't want to work with professional athletes because there's an ego problem. And that's something that I think discourages a lot of people. But at the same time, if you really think about it, any service filled industry, you're always going to kind of have to navigate different personalities. Um, but I'm sorry, you go ahead. What would you say, you know, are the biggest things that you have really heard? Wow, to be completely honest with you, I haven't heard of the myth, so I'm actually looking forward to hearing it. But in regards to you saying that, just to make sure I heard you correctly, that the guys have egos that you're working with? Yeah. Is that what you were asking? Yep. So uh -huh. I would say this, like my definition of ego, I think it's an acronym. It stands for everybody got one. So it doesn't matter if you're a professional athlete. It doesn't matter if you're a business person. It doesn't matter. Everyone has an ego having worked in private practice, as well as professional sports, you're going to have a variety of personalities. So it doesn't really necessarily matter the setting. You just have to be able to adapt to that personality because you said it, we're in a service field. We're in a customer service field. So I would say that's a myth. I mean, they're, they're just as many that are appreciative of what you do as there are that aren't, but you're going to find that everywhere. 
Okay. What are some of the other myths? Like, yeah, I'm, I'm curious because I haven't heard any of these myths. So. So I feel like that, that typically is the, the biggest one I hear. The, another one that I'll give you as well is more so like, you're not going to be able to get into that realm of working with professional athletes unless you know the right people, right? As opposed to what you know in terms of your knowledge and the skill set that you possess as well. That isn't a total myth. So I will say that the majority of people who are in professional sports get there through their networks. Mm-hmm. However, I am a living testimony that that's not the only way. I did not have any of those connections. In fact, I didn't have very many that people that looked like me in the profession for me even to reach out to. So that's part of the reason why I'm excited to be here today so that I can be that for other people. But also just to understand that everybody's journey is different. My journey was very different than others, but despite not having the network, I made it. It's just like anything. Like if you set your mind to something, you have to have like, I like to say, you have to have a GPS mentality. If one way is not available, what does it do? It takes you on a detour. I had to take many detours along the way. And along the way, I learned some things that prepared me for this moment. So I would say, just don't give up, make your own pathway. Sometimes you have to create your own pathway so that others can follow behind you. You know, actually, let me kind of hit hit on that, too. Um, and then we can go to the next topic. But, you know, I'm actually thinking about how crazy or how crazy accurate what you just said is. Right. So I'll give the example of my youngest sibling. He just started school. You know, kid six, three doctor claims he's going to be six, seven. Um, but right now he goes to University of Michigan and he got on campus. And one of the things that kind of worked to his favor was yo as soon as he gets on campus well he has a buddy my my other brother has a buddy who actually is a director of digital media for the cavaliers right so it gets on campus um buddy's like hey i got you with the connect you obviously gotta do the work to get to get the job with the team turns out now you know he's one of those team managers that does like the practicing with the players and the workouts and all that stuff which i think for like an 18 year old kid is like Bro, you know what I'm saying? It's like, yo, son. Like, basically, you're just spending time working with, like, NBA-bound athletes and bettering your game as well, right? Potentially to get on the team. And one of the things I've kind of seen in his thing is, like, that's true. It's like your network speaks volumes to how far you got to go. I mean, to the point where, I ain't going to say it, but, like, he, he has a pretty big opportunity right now between staying in school for the summer or working with a pretty dope organization over the summer, right? In the league. So it's like, that speaks to it. But then the other side of it is like the amount of work I've seen him have to go through personally, right? You know, he doesn't have the luxury of seeing, you know, most of these 18 year olds, they got to go to class, get to party, get to do this. My boy's up 6am. He's at the gym with the players going to class, working for the, you know, rec department. Then he's in the gym again, deep into the night till 11. And that's his life. And so to kind of see it on both ends, man, that really speaks to what you just said, where it's like a lot of those detours, right? A lot of those detours. And so here's the question I want to ask you, just kind of giving that perspective, right? For the listeners, 
in, in, in your experience, because obviously right now, right, head athletic trainer, director of player, um, I won't say officials thing, director of player health, right? You know, I got to say it correctly. And <laughs> I think for a lot of people, they could just see that and be like, legit, just be like, NBA <laughs> and get hype. And, and they lose track of like, your day-to-day probably is nothing like the day-to-day of somebody in the outpatient clinic, right? I can't Correct. even imagine how much you got to move around. But the question then becomes like, what then allows you to like actually succeed at that level? Because I think, you know, what did Biggie say? No money, more problem. Like the different, <laughs> the different level of what you're doing can't be the different level of somebody doing it in the clinic. And so me seeing firsthand what it looks like for a college kid to have to work at that point, and you were the professionals. So it's a whole different level, right? You're working at a whole different level. What then is required for you to succeed at your level? Because I'm confident people don't really grasp. It's not that whole, like, I go to work and then I got to, you know, work out a little bit. Then I got to maybe do a little personal development. Like, what does it actually take for somebody thinking, I want to get to where Michael's at one day, but they don't really know what is required at a deep enough level? What, what, what would it take to actually say, let me succeed? Oh, wow. I'm hoping I'm not going to kill you off cliches, but they're not cliches because I don't really mean these. But if you want to be successful, it has to be built on the back of inconvenience. Like nothing about what I do is convenient. Like I really don't have a minute to myself. So with me, I have to be on pretty much 24 hours a day. Once I leave the facility, because of my role as director of player health and head athletic trainer, if anything goes down, say a guy gets sick in the middle of the night, I'm the first person that they're calling. Or even in these COVID times, I mean, we have to test every day. Our results don't come in until around midnight, one o'clock. So my phone is buzzing. And so if there's a positive case, I have to be on because it's like, okay, there's a certain policies and procedures that have to go into place before everybody sees each other. So I never really truly get to turn it off. And that's inconvenient, but that's kind of been my whole path. Like if you just look at some of the things that you mentioned in my bio, none of that was convenient. It required me to move across country. It required me to stay up late nights to do the extra studying for physical therapy school and post-grad work with manual therapy. Like it required me to do a lot of volunteer time outside of my normal nine to five hours when I was working an outpatient. So it was those things just getting in the habit of understanding that you have to get comfortable with being uncomfortable and get used to being inconvenienced because that's what professional sports is. You see, I, I, I love that because that's, that is just rawness and just being a hundred percent genuine, you know, about what, what the expectations are, you know, and, a lot of times I, I think we, we think about, you know, wanting to be in the realm of sports and at a professional level. And we don't think about the caliber of like excellence that is required to be, you know, in that arena. And so I, I love the fact that you touched on that, because I think a lot of people think about the, the glitz and glam if you will, you know, or, or the gold that's going to come the, 
you know, the all the good stuff, but they don't take into consideration all the the stuff that you just said, right? There, there's a lot of stuff that went into you being able to get to this point. And one question that I want to ask you more, just more along the lines of uh, residency and just like, I'd say, continued ed from after you finish PT school, because I always tell people <laughs> PT school is great, right? They give us this foundation. They're like, here, we gave you guys a foundation. You go out there and the clinic will teach you the rest of it, right? Like there's a lot of things that the clinic, just from a standpoint of my internships have taught me that I, I was like, I did not get this in the classroom, right? And so just even from a, a perspective of making yourself look more, what's the word? More valuable. We'll go with that. What does it look like in terms of being able to, or you can, you can speak to, to just your experience as well, you know, because you, you've gone through it just from being able to go through and, and do residency, how much do you think that was a catalyst to kind of help you get into the position you're in now? And besides that, for people who are maybe considering residency, what would you say are probably the three biggest things that you believe it gave you um, in your journey? Confidence, confidence, confidence. <laughs> really, I mean, I guess it begins to why did I pursue a residency? I mean, first was because I was exposed to a very, very, very good physical therapist in one of my clinical rotations who happened to had gone through the Ola Grimsby Institute and done the manual therapy program. And that was the first time I had seen any physical therapist respected by surgeons. I mean, surgeons were calling the clinic and asking him if they should operate on people. That's big. They were coming to him to get treated. And I was like, that's what I want to be. That right there is what I want to be. I want that knowledge to know that when I see somebody, I have a great chance of making them better, but that I'm also respected by those outside. So when I saw that, I'm like, you know what? I have to get there. So that was kind of my number one. And then once I got out into the field, just like you said, I mean, school, and this is what I tell a lot of people. When you're in school, focus on school. Because they're always asking me, what should I do? What should I do? What kind of extra, what kind of continuing edge should I take while I'm in school? None. Focus on school because if you don't pass your board, you're never going to have a shot anyway. You're never going to have a shot. So it's like, focus on what they're teaching you because the things that they're teaching you, it's very foundational levels, but it's the things that are going to keep you from getting sued because it's very basic stuff, which experts just do foundational principles very well. So take the time to learn those foundational principles of school. But then, but so back to the story. Once I got out, I really couldn't answer the question, why were the people I was treating getting better? Why were they getting better? And then those that weren't getting better, why? So residency was like, I need to go get more education. So it was those two things that really pushed me to get the extra training and particularly with my hands. So 
I would recommend anybody that if you really want to hone in your skill set, go go do a residency. Yes, in the beginning, a lot of people are feeling the pressure of, well, I have all these school loans. You know, I need to get out here and make money. You're going to make that money back. Like you're you're investing yourself. So the money that you're leaving on the table to go pursue a residency, look at that as you investing that money or however thousands of dollars you're not getting into you. So each time, like my friends would laugh at me, like, Mike, you're still doing school. Like, why aren't you out here getting this money? And I'm just like, because the money's going to be there. If people are willing to, I mean, because I had like come two, three years out of school, I had a six figure offer. I left it on the table to go pursue a residency where I was only making $35,000. Yeah, that look that you gave me right there is the exact look that everybody gave me. And I'm just like, you know what? Laugh now, but I'm a living testimony to that. Like, it's like, if they're willing to give me that, then wait till I get out of this residency and I'm actually worth what they're trying to offer me. So that's what I usually tell people. Like, it comes back to you threefold. So it's worth the investment. I'm always for it, but you don't have to do it, but it gives you a chance to actually master some of the things that you learned in school, how to apply all that information that they gave you in school, residencies afford that. Sometimes I gotta just chew, chew it a little bit. Uh, <laughs> you know, brood over it real time. You only get the raw experience on this podcast. The question I want to ask you, and I think it comes back to you can even reflect in um what you just talked about, you know, leaving leaving the money on the table and and Cause clearly, I mean, you're doing a job that most people could only dream um, of having, but I think at a foundational thing, um, we have to talk about, you know, what you're based on. So part of it is like habits. Um, what habits are like your must have requirements. Like these are the things that you fall back to the moments of stress. These are the things that you've done so much that, even when things start going wrong, like you automatically know, you know what, let me get back into this rhythm and let me go. Right. So that's the first question, really. Like, what would you say are your top three habits um, that allow you to have this kind of success, the dedication to it? And then two, um, well, you know what, let, let me ask that first question first, and then let me get into my follow up. So what, what are those top three success habits for you that have allowed you to like really become a person of excellence? First, I mean, I am a very spiritual person. I'm a man of faith. I am a Christian. And so I stay grounded by my moral code. So every day I just begin my day being grateful, thankful for the day, understanding that I'm not owed anything. It's not even guaranteed. So the fact that I'm able to get up lets me know that my job on earth is not done. That's really what focuses me in. Like, okay. And even starting my day, like I say, thank you for waking me up. Allow me to be a blessing to someone this day. And in that, that's what focuses me in on the task. Like in order, like I said in the beginning, physical therapy is my ministry. Hence why I've gone through all the extra education because I wanna be really good at what I do. And that's what allows me to reach people. So 
because I'm here as a physical therapist, athletic trainer, whatever, it is my responsibility to be the best that I can be for the people that I'm serving because we are servants. Uh, we are servants. So it's locking in and being very intentional and deliberate on my day on what it is that I have to do and making people better. And on top of that is being very intentional with everything that I do that day from the moment that I speak to someone. I mean, that's where it begins. There's the social aspect of the biopsychosocial model. People kind of dismiss that part of it, but just the way you approach people, speak to them, acknowledge them, that starts everything. That's what kind of lowers people's protective mechanisms to allow you to do what you do. And then, of course, just being deliberate, task-oriented um, with the continuing ed. So that's kind of where it is. It's really just, you know, having something that grounds me, which is my spirituality, being very deliberate in everything that I do. Like, don't just check the box. Do it and do it the best that you possibly can. And then just be a, a constant learner. You hear in physical therapy school, commitment to learning. Be a lifelong learner. Study your craft, but understand that it goes beyond your craft when you're working with people. Man, I <laughs> I really love that. I really do, because I think one of the one of the biggest issues that I see right now in our profession is just the the constant need for the most money right and i don't fault anybody we i mean we all got loans we got to pay right like i don't fault anybody for that but i feel like there should be more of an emphasis on skill set you know you alluded to the fact earlier that you you had that six figure offer and you were like, just wait till I actually have the skills that makes me feel like, you know, I'm worth this, you know, or worth more than this. And I think that just from a, cause I, I think similarly to you from the aspect that I'm like, if I'm doing this and I'm not trying to be one of the best, what am I doing it for? Like, what am I really doing it for? You know, I'm, 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 I'm wasting my time, you know, and <clears throat> granted, like, of course I have other ventures and other things I want to do and stuff like that. But like you said, this is my craft and I want to honor my craft by taking it serious and trying to be the best that I can be. But also that goes back to the first thing you said, which is being a man of faith, which is, God put us in this position to be clinicians, you know, to be able to use our hands to help people, you know, and, and, and return them to function. So how much of a disservice are we doing to him if we don't try to live up to our full potential in that capacity, you know, and I think I struggled with that for a while because I was like, man, like, I feel like I just want to get out of school and I just want to make the most money and everything else will fall into place after that, you know, and, and as I've transitioned into where I am now, where 
you know, in a, in another month and some change, I'll be done with PT school. It's like my mindset has kind of shifted, you know, because it's, I always say like, yes, I do. I do want to be successful. Yes. I do have other things that I want to do outside of the realm of physical therapy, but I do want people to be able to look at me, look at my work and be able to respect me for what I'm able to do in this field as well. You know, and, and I can't, I can't fake it. I mean, I guess I can, they say fake it till you make it. But me personally, I feel like I need to be able to sit in front of a patient face to face and say, I have done everything I can to be able to give you the best possible outcome, you know, to give you the best plan of care, to make sure every intervention that I'm picking for you is something that is functional, meaningful to you, you know, and what you're coming in for. And at the level you're at, it's like every rep counts, right? Every rep counts, every set counts. And you have to be very, it can get very meticulous with making sure that you're doing things efficiently and, and, and making sure you're doing them at, at the right level. So um, I'm sorry, y'all, I went off on a little tangent, but this is something, this is something that um, I really am passionate about. And for a while, it, it took me, it took me some time to kind of like sit down and say like, what do you really want out of this? You know, and I was like, I want to be one of the best. And so because of that, it's caused me to change my perspective in terms of PT and change my perspective in terms of how I approach things. You know, another, another great thing you said was you wake up in the morning and you're grateful amazing i used to have a gratitude journal and i would like write in it all the time every morning just like three or four things i'm grateful for and go on without you know go on with the rest of my day and i haven't done that in a while you know but you saying that makes me think like man like i heard that for a reason maybe i should get back to it you know because it changes the whole dynamic of your day when you wake up and you start from a uh, an atmosphere of gratitude, you know, and what can I give to the world? Because so many of us wake up and we think about what can we get, you know, so I think that's so critical um, that, that you said that. So major, major fire being dropped on this episode right now. Like, I hope y'all go back and listen to this episode like three or four times. This is, this, this is heat already. Um, but the next question that I want to ask you just for people that are listening and they're like, okay, like he's a physical therapist, um, but he's an athletic trainer, uh, but he's a director of player health. So what does he really do? <laughs> just, just from a, a logistic standpoint and, and, and just, you know, with your role, what, what have really been the the different things that you feel like you do now as compared to when you were strictly just in the role of a PT and athletic trainer uh, treating patients? 
Uh, see, they gave me all these fancy titles like director and all this. Honestly, I'm just a fireman and a janitor. I put out fires and clean up messes. That's <laughs> that's what that's really my job. I mean, I have a lot more a lot more leadership responsibilities, um, development responsibilities, overseeing policies and procedures that affect the whole team versus just treating the player slash patient. So being like the athletic trainer, so I have actually the best of both worlds. Like I get the best aspects of physical therapy because I still get to treat people daily. Uh, most people who are in my position in the league are like 100% administrative. That is not what I want to be. Like I said that one taking this job, I'm like, look, I'm not ready to stop getting my hands dirty. Like I didn't go to all this schooling to not do what I'm doing. And again, you take my hands off people. I'm not able to do the ministry that I want to do. You know, maybe as I get a little older, then I'll kind of, you know, progress more to the administrative roles. But that was the thing. I said, I still want to do my treatment. And then the other side with the athletic training things, like I'm heavily involved in emergency response, like putting emergency response procedures in place. Like I'm the one that you'll see in the front of the bench covering the games where like I'm responsible if anything happens on the court, I'm the first responder and I'm kind of direct. I guess you could say I'm the traffic controller. Like I'm having to survey the scene and kind of direct people to do what it is. So I get to do the best things of that. So it's kind of cool, It's kind of cool, but it's tough. A lot of responsibility and it's, hard when you have other people looking to you to make the call or the answer. So I would say that's probably the more unique part of it, that my voice, which honestly, I am just the voice of those that I'm supporting on my team. Like it's not me above them, but I'm looked to kind of corral the team and make sure that everybody's voice is heard and making sure that what's best is actually done. I just said a bunch of things. I hope that made sense. But yeah, that that kind of somewhat sums up what I do. Uh, actually, no, that kind of hit it. See, what I was going to ask you too, you can feel free to do this. But I'm curious just because you're doing a lot in your position. And I still feel like it doesn't give us a, enough of a, well, how do I say this? Basically, what does your typical regular like day look like? I ask this because I think, well, I'm a firm believer. Now, I don't know if, if your job is anything like shows or, you know, all this stuff or y'all doing all kinds of, you know, whatever. But basically like your typical day, right? For a person in your position, what does your regular day look like? And like, what are certain aspects maybe like, even if you want to highlight them, that kind of stand out? So, I mean, you hit it on the head. Like, I'm in entertainment. And just like most people just see the show, but they never see what happens on the backstage. Like, I'm the backstage hands. So, like, on a typical day, particularly because I'm in Washington, D.C., I got to get out this house by 6.15 at the latest, but I don't want to get trapped in traffic. So... I try to get to the facility around 7 a.m. That's before anybody's really in the building because I want to prep the area. Uh, one thing that I was told about the medical space particularly is that 
it's important for our space to be on when the guys get there. Like when the guys get in there, typically it's our space that they come through first. We're the ones that kind of drive the day. If we don't bring the energy or if we don't have what they say, the training room on, we're not setting up the day well for the people that follow us. So, you know, typically the guys will come in, see us, go to the performance space, do whatever it is that they do there, go into the court for some pre-court stuff, eat, get ready for practice, and then there's practice. But because we're usually the start of their day, if we mess that up, we mess up everything after that. Like, so it's really crucial. So that's one of the reasons why I try to get there early because I, I keep that dear to me. Hey, make sure the training room is on. Make sure I have time to kind of wake up so that way I can be alive for when the players come in. So that's kind of my first 30 minutes is really just kind of making sure things are in place. Things haven't been moved overnight. Just make sure they're there so that way when the guys come in, it's showtime. Uh, so typically guys will start rolling in around 7.30 or 8. And like I said, everybody has their routines. In most cases, they're coming through the training room to get treatment. Uh, we don't like to look at the training room as just a treatment space. It's like you're either getting treatment or we're trying to optimize your function, one thing or the other. Like we like to do what we call car washes, make sure we're checking everything, make sure everything's moving the way it is. So that way, as you go on throughout your day, everything that every input that's being delivered to your body is intentional. And we prep your body right to receive that. So that's kind of the first three hours of the day. Then we go into practice, which can last who, from one hour to two hours. So we'd say practice starts at 11. Most of our treatments get done between 7.30 and 10.30. Give a 30-minute grace period to kind of get taping done before the guys go get changed. They go to practice at 11. Maybe done by 12.30 or 1. Then there's anything needed after practice do post-practice cleanups or treatments. That could take an hour and a half, two hours, and then you put the training room back the way it was supposed to be. We meet as a team to kind of recount the day. Is there anything that we need to be aware of for the next day so that way we can inform the other stakeholders, the coaches, the front office, whoever you're about, what's happened? Is anything going to affect the next day? Then you go home, hopefully. That's just the practice day. So it can last anywhere like, from seven to three or four. And if it's a game day, then it's a long day. If it's a travel day, it's a long day. But that's kind of a general count to the day right there. Um so we we do before before I ask the next question, we do a segment on our show uh called our Black Health segment. And it's just a segment that we started to do kind of just to give our people, you know, some some facts about different diseases that kind of plague our community and you know just like a little tip here and there to kind of help with some of those things so we're going to get into our black health segment for today um real quick for today's segment guys i know we have probably touched on this once before but it's so prevalent i just want to bring it back because i know it's been a, a long time one of the biggest things that we suffer with in the black community is hypertension or high blood pressure and so uh with that being said i wanted to give you guys a little tip that i got from the mayo clinic which is to consider boosting your potassium uh potassium can lessen the effects of sodium on your blood pressure 
And the best source of potassium is foods that have, or foods such as fruits and vegetables rather than supplements. Um, I know bananas is a really good source of potassium, uh, potatoes as well. And there's a bunch of other sources out there. But uh, if you are struggling with high blood pressure, one quick tip, consider boosting your potassium intake. So that is the Black Health segment for today. Um, getting back into getting back into our conversation, just for anyone who is listening and they're saying like, I hear, I hear everything you're saying. It sounds good. This is something that I want to do, or this is a field that I want to be in. You mentioned the networking aspect of it. How do I get into that? What would be, what would be the top three tips that you would give anyone who is looking to kind of build their network in this realm to kind of you know be able to get their foot in the door get a little bit closer to to being in a position such as yourself well i mean social media allows you to get in touch with anybody at any time and linkedin is gold i mean gold I had so many people reach to reach out to me on LinkedIn and I am not like I am guilty. I am not a big social media user, but like I said before, I do my very best to correspond with anybody that reaches out to me on LinkedIn. It may not be immediately, but I try to get back to them because again, I never had that access. So I want to have that. I want to be accessible to others. So utilize the social media mediums. Everybody has them. I mean, most people have Instagram. Most people have the Twitter, the whatever else is. I said the Twitter. Boy, I'm sounding like I'm old. Didn't mean to say that. Take that out. <laughs> but, but most people have Twitter. <laughs> most people have Twitter and everything along that. So, I mean, utilize that. I mean, understand that in order for you to have a network, you have to socialize. So get involved with things like the um, APTA, the um, the sports section of that particularly, because they have really transformed that to where they're more interactive with people. And a lot of people in professional sports are interactive on those mediums. So utilize those things. Don't act like you're too cool to do that. I mean, sometimes your opportunity is on the other side of hello. So just don't, be afraid to speak and open your mouth, but utilize these things. That's what they're there for. Sorry, go ahead, Paul. Go ahead. My bad, my bad. Go ahead. No, you go ahead, man. You got the question. Go ahead and hit us with it. <laughs> Did I answer it? You said three things and I gave you one. <laughs> I don't even know if I have three, but I mean, that's, I mean, that's the biggest thing. I mean, especially in COVID times where we can't really be in person. I mean, yeah. utilize these social media mediums. I think that's the best thing that you can possibly do at this moment. Yeah. I mean, if you're going to have a page on Instagram, understand that employers look at that stuff. So when you're applying or you're reaching out to people, people are investigating the things that you do. So understand that even when you think no one is watching, there's always someone watching what you do, whether yeah. it's your social media presence or the way that you just interact with people on a daily basis. You don't know like 
not to get too much on a tangent, I'm going to bring back, because there was something that you said earlier that I wanted to touch on. You're like, you have to make sure that every rep and everything that you do is perfect with my clientele. I don't have any more pressure with the people that I work with that you should have working with the people that you do in an everyday clinic, Um, especially if you're in private practice. I mean, unless you're with a big company, I mean, most of your promotion is coming from the patients that you treat. So you better do everything excellent with that person because it's through word of mouth that you get more patients. Sometimes, especially with these smaller clinics, like that's your lifeline is what you do with that person. So your approach, regardless of who it is, should be the same. Whether it's LeBron James or Leroy James from around the way. Like you still, like you need to approach them the same. Yeah. Like, cause it's not one of those things, like it's habits. Like you said before, if you get in the habit of approaching everything that you do with, you know, with detail and shout out to Hampton, cause I'm borrowing their motor with a standard of excellence, then it's not going to mean anything when you get into the professional sports because you operate like that anyway. It shouldn't matter who's in front of you. What you do should be the same, which is strive for excellence. Shouldn't matter. With that being said, going back to answering your question, that's why I'm saying everybody's watching you. So if they're watching you be excellent, they're going to come to you. Like opportunities will find you. So just make sure, like you also said something about like fake it till you make it. I cannot stand that phrase. Be who it is that you want to be and understand that who you want to be is a constant process. But if you portray that by just being what it is that you want to be, you don't have to fake it because you're actively trying to be what it is that you want to be. All tied into someone's always watching you. So be excellent. Navy SEAL say all in all the time. Um, my last question for you kind of comes on the back end of um, what you were just talking about. And I think... I think the thing I want us to be able to drive home here is um, for a lot of people like, okay, so let me say like this. I think a lot of people to be excellent as I've come to found out, find out English, Lord, to be excellent. <laughs> Yo, English ain't my first language. I, it's I struggle mine and I still can't speak it. So you're I good. Struggle At least sometimes. you have an excuse. I don't. Have mercy. <laughs> um, but I've kind of found out that excellence is such, it's not unattainable, but it's a very, like we talked about at the beginning of the episode, an inconvenient thing to achieve because it puts you in a place of like just discomfort because not everybody's doing it. And I think, well, you know, if I was to give myself an example, like, and shout out to y'all who listens to this episode and this podcast. I'm going to continue to talk about it until it happens. I'm getting married October 2nd of next year. And um, amen. And so one of the things I decided to commit to is, you know, I completely changed my entire morning because I found myself asking that question. Like, what does it actually mean to excel? What does it actually look like? What does it actually require of me? You know, I'm talking about it like Carl and I will talk about, you know, we'll, we'll say it like we want to be successful business people. We want to be successful clinicians like we want to be successful everything. But in order to like literally attain that goal, it requires something to shift. So for me personally, the thing I decided, I was like, you know what, I'm going to do the hard thing. I'm going to show up and do a live video 
every single day from October 1st this year until October 1st next year, right? Because I understand, you know what a lot of people are not doing? Producing at that level. A lot of people are not showing up and having that conversation because, boy, it's day 13. And this morning I thought about skipping. Okay. So for the last 12 days, I've been consistent. And this morning I was like, like I, I went to bed early. I woke up at one. I turned off my alarm clock. Uh, we had to be at the house by like 1130. I, I woke up late at like 8 30 i'm thinking about everything i'm like bro they won't even notice the algorithm hates on me they're not even gonna notice there's no video today and and i had that negotiation with myself I'm like bro this is the point right where the thing is like i'm thinking and i'm talking about we have a podcast that comes out once a week and i think about podcasters that school of greatness i mean buddy got an episode what three times a week coming out or something like that right i think about how People are showing up and, and teaching everything, giving value every single day. You have zero choice but to show. If you don't show up and be excellent, an entire organization would probably suffer because you are a key component of that, right? And so, like, for me, I was like, yo, I need to show up and I need to do these lies because in without knowing what's going to happen a year from now, at least I understand from a personal level, I would have built up the habit of showing up so frequently that now like if somebody i mean and this is just a ridiculous example but this is what i had to tell myself if you just find yourself at a tv station one day and they're like bro we need somebody to like go guess what i'm not i'm not new to this so i know i could confidently show up sit on set read the joint and say boom because i become efficient doing the notes making the outline um, putting some notes together, having some thoughts, being able to efficiently and coherently get a message across to multiple people on multiple platforms. So this is what I want to ask, because not everybody has to be as extreme as I am. That's just my personality. I have to be all in all the time. But how do people actually build themselves to that excellence? Because I think, mo well, let me say like this, most people strive to be good and get average. Some people start to be great and then they end up getting good. A lot of people try to get amazing and they end up getting great. But most people can't even get to excellent because to get the to the, to get to that excellent level is like so inconvenient that we end up being able to call it the one percent because at that level, you know what I'm saying? Like I, you're in the NBA, so I'll just use this. Everybody in the league can cook me on the court. Everybody in the league can cook everybody at the court but you can also tell in the league there are certain people that somehow still stand out even though everybody there is a professional there's still some people that you can tell like bro they get on the court they do something and i don't know it's gonna be hard you know it's gonna be hard to stop them and so this is where i like that's why i'm asking like what that excellence needs to actually look like because from a clinician point of view we talked about it right be willing to say no to the things that are, you know, the, the, the super easy yes to the six figures now, because guess what? Everybody was, I almost made a Drake joke, but everybody was laughing at you now, but who crying, right? Like how many people are wishing they could be in that position that didn't take that opportunity? So that's what excellence looks like. But how do people build that? How do people actually institute that level of commitment? Because Day 13, y'all, I almost quit. It's 13 days. I was like, I gave y'all 12 videos with heat. 
I don't know if I got 350 something days to go, but like, that's what's required. So from your perspective, man, like what does the excellent clinician look like? What does the excellent physical therapist look like? What does the excellent just person like what, what is truly required? What are the things that they need to push past to get to that actual level? Wow. That is a great question. And that's something I'm still trying to answer myself because I don't consider myself excellent by any means. But given that I'm surrounded by those who are considered the best of the best, and then even on that, you have another realm of the just the superstars, and they are courageous. They are not afraid of making mistakes, and they are not afraid of kind of going into uncharted territories the higher you go the more uncharted that territory is and of course just like with anything if you're driving in a new place you're a little hesitant you know oftentimes you're going to take go to the places that you're familiar with but i would think that to become excellent you have to be willing to explore those things that you're not familiar with or even to go places that other people are ridiculing like you just have to have, I mean, you have to be courageous, simple as that. Understanding that, yes, this is painful. <laughs> yes, this is going to come with pain, but the pain is not going to kill you. On the other side of pain, you become more durable. You know what I mean? So it's like being okay with going through that discomfort and that pain to yield the benefits on the other side of it. And as I said, when you get uncomfortable, it's easy for like, I wish I remember the book that this came from. But the author was saying that we have a tendency of rationalizing things. But if you break down the word rational lies, it's rational lies. You know what I mean? <laughs> so like our bodies and there's another like, I wish I remember this person. I was listening to YouTube and it was just one of those, you know, just inspiration. It was saying that your body is designed to keep you safe so at any moment that your body or your brain senses danger it's going to try to bring you back to a place of safety which oftentimes is convenience being inconvenient is not safe <laughs> at all so it's like being willing to shut that down and to continue to push forward i believe that's how you become excellent that's the things that i'm trying to do to become excellent because excellent is not a destination. That's another thing that you have to understand. It's a journey. Like, you're never going to be like, oh, huh, excellent 5,000 miles away. No. <laughs> there is no endpoint to it. That goes to being a, you have to be a student of your craft. And not just of your craft, but you have to be a student of the other things, of like be a student of being a leader, being a student of learning people. Like, you just have to be constantly learning everything that there is to be involved with that profession. We're servants. Again, study being a servant and what that requires, being empathetic, showing sympathy, being trustworthy, being loyal, committing yourself to your craft. So I think the answer in verbalizing it is not necessarily easy, but it's easier than the execution of it. Because, again, you have to be uncomfortable. 
Can I ask one last question? You can ask as many questions as you want, man. Just look, y'all got me. I said, I said that was my last <laughs> question, and then and then here I go. I'm sorry, Carl. I got one last question. This, I promise this is my last question. Bro, you're good. This, you're good. This is what I want to ask. Because you mentioned you are surrounded by people that are the best of the best. So according to your observations, let me ask this. Is it easier to strive to be great versus easier to just like try to remain average? Which one is easier? So if that doesn't make sense, let me kind of frame it like this. Does it take more effort to be excellent or does it take more effort to not be excellent? That makes sense? It does. And I'll say it takes no effort to not be excellent. Like you don't have to put any effort at all. That's probably like, that's the way I perceive it. Cause it's like, you can just do nothing. And there's a lot of people, not to say that you can't be successful because there's, I mean, you see it every day. A lot of people just go through the motions and they're successful, but it also depends on what is your definition of success? Like some people, like you say, like, it's a real thing. Like not everybody can do what I did. Not everybody is in a position, not to say I was in the position to do it, I chose to do it, to leave that type of money on the table. I didn't grow up with money, not at all. And I would assume that most people that look like you and me are in the same position, which is why when we get out of school, we're trying to go to the money because we're not only taking care of ourselves, but we're trying to take care of other people. So maybe success from that standpoint is making the money because it's something that we've never had before. And there's nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong at all. Like you, the biggest thing is you have to define what success means to you. And if it's just making money, then you're probably going to go above and beyond to make that money. But you may not. I mean, it doesn't necessarily mean that you have to be the best at your craft. You just continue to change in jobs because they're going to continue giving you more money, more money. And you're doing the very minimal to succeed. So it's so... I guess you could say it's just what's the word I'm looking for? Sleep deprived. So I apologize. It's so ambiguous. It, it happens. Look, I have two children, a three and a one year old. So yeah, you know, you know what it is. You know what's going on in this house right now. None of us are getting sleep. But anyway, but yeah, it's so ambiguous of what success is. So you have to define. You have to define that for yourself. But it doesn't take any effort at all to just be mediocre. You can just sit back and do nothing. But that doesn't mean that you're not successful. Just whatever your eye, whatever success is for you. I just repeated myself like five times, but it's okay. <laughs> that was a good question, though. That was a great question. Um, man, no, that that was that was a phenomenal question, bro. <laughs> was, yeah. Uh, honestly, I I how am I supposed to even top that? Yeah, yeah. That was that was that was amazing, and that was a phenomenal answer as well. So, um. I think that there are going to be a lot of people that get a lot of value from this episode. Um, just, just from a standpoint of being able to talk through the habits, right? The success patterns, the, the decision to differentiate yourself, you know, and, and being dedicated, you know, being a student. I like, I like the fact that you didn't just talk about being a student of, PT specifically, but being a student of the other things that are required of that, right? Even as a, as a business owner, that's something that, that applies to you, you know, and 
I think a lot of people miss the mark on that because they think like, man, I just need to be the best PT I can be. I need to know all these different joint modes. I need to know all these different interventions, all the contraindications, precautions for the different uh, impairments and comorbidities. And, and we never stop to think like, what would it be like if I really studied how to be a servant? That one was big. That's a big one. Like, that's really a big one, especially because we're in a field where we give so much of ourselves to these people, to these patients. Like, it, 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 I think it really takes a level of excellence in general to be in this field and continue to show up day after day and give your best because you're pouring a lot into these people. And you pour into everyone else and then you leave and you got to go home and you got to pour into the family, right? And it's tough. And so the last question that I would ask you, especially for someone in your position, how do you stay grounded? How do you have balance? You know, what are the things that, on a day when you wake up and you're like, man, like, like, God, I'm grateful. Like, I'm grateful for this opportunity, but man, I'm tired today, boss. Like, like, I don't feel like doing it today. Like, what are the things that you kind of do to help you readjust your focus and as well as kind of help yourself to stay grounded and decompress so that you're not burning out in the midst of giving to everybody around you. Wow. I am probably not the best person to ask this because I'm still trying to figure that out now. Because like you said it, you give so much at your job. And then, you know, I have a family at home, you know, my wife, my two children, my mother. And so understanding that there are people at home that need just as much of your attention as those that you serve when you're away from home. And oftentimes it's tough because you don't get that moment of time. Like there's no such thing as balance. No such thing. I don't care who you are. Like it's a seesaw. There's going to be times where, you know, you're giving all here and you're not able to give. The, I think the key to it is just making sure you go to the other side. You know, my thing here is like if I'm doing great at work, I'm doing horrible at home. If I'm doing great at home, I'm probably doing horrible at work, maybe catastrophizing a little bit, but that's just kind of what it is. And me and my friends tell me this all the time, which is why I said I'm probably not the best person to ask this question, because they say you give so much, but you never do anything for yourself. You literally run yourself into the ground for other people. So that's something that I'm trying to explore, because it's one of those things I can sit here and tell you what to do. I mean, it's one of those things like, you know, do as I say, not as I do. Because again, like I alluded to earlier, it's easy to say these things, but it's more difficult to actually execute what you're saying. And so one thing that I am trying to do now, aside from, I mean, the one thing I can say I'm consistent with is before I lay my head down, I give thanks, you know, <laughs> repent for those things that I've knowingly and unknowingly done throughout the day, you know, make sure we have a good night's rest, me, my family, friends. And then when I first wake up in the morning, making sure that's the first thing I do. Like I am adamant on that. 
And so right now, that's what kind of keeps me going. You know, the first thing I do, I pray, get up, do my thing. And then it's by not by design, but as I'm walking through the house, you know, I got to pass my my wife who's sleeping. So I look at that. I'm like, you know, this is bigger than me. You know, I can easily say, no, I can't do this anymore. But there's always a ripple effect. The ripple effect is going to be to those directly around me. Like, it's going to affect my wife. My wife's ability to be a mother to our children is going to directly affect my children. It's going to affect my mother. You know, so it's understanding that every decision that I make is always going to affect someone else. And that is what kind of keeps me going. When I'm going to work, that gives me a little time to kind of unwind and get myself together. So I use that drive that can be from anywhere from 20 minutes to an hour to kind of get my mind right, making sure I'm listening to something that's refreshing and enlightening. Same thing when I'm going home. Sometimes I will go a different direction. So again, a little tangent. Before I was in professional sports, I worked with the government. And so I was contracted with the government. So I got to work with some of those guys. And one of the things I learned from them is like, you know, when you're going home, don't ever take the same direction. Go somewhere different just so that you're, you know, you throw off a pattern. So if somebody's following you, they can't learn your tendencies. So that's something I've kind of kept because it's like, you know what, let me just change the scene. Let me take a different route. Maybe today I'll take a little bit of a longer route just to give myself more time to unwind, but just to see something different. It's amazing how just seeing something different can give you a little bit just refreshing and something perspective. It's like, oh, I've never seen that. Wow. Hmm. So it's those little things that I'm trying to do on the daily. I'm not great at it, but it's just breaking up the monotony and finding those limit times. Like I used to exercise, but COVID kind of ruined that because I got to be in so early. I, if I don't work out early in the morning, I'm through. Like I'm, I can't work out in the evening because it's going to disrupt my sleep. And like I said, I still have two young ones, so my sleep gets disrupted. So, yeah, but staying active and changing up the routine, like I, that's the thing that I would say is the best way to do it. But you have to allow time for yourself. You have to. Don't be like me. I mean, I'm having I have gray hair, my eyebrows, beard now because I don't think I take enough time for myself. But, yeah, I'll always allow a little bit of time for yourself because if you're not good, you can't be good for anybody else. Honestly, bro, that's a mic drop moment right there. Like that, that can say it any better, man. Um, let me just say, first off, thank you. <laughs> thank you again, you know, for making time to hop on this episode. And it, God always knows what he's doing, you know, and we had the, we had it set up last year. For, for our listeners, this episode was literally like scheduled last year around this same time in October. And um, I can't remember if it was just a scheduled conflict with you and then we couldn't find another date at that time, but things just didn't work out. And here we are a year later, you know, and this, this, this is honestly been one of the best episodes that we have done in a long time even from a standpoint of like not talking about strictly entrepreneurial things and that's why I was so excited about this because it gave a different dimension for us to kind of look at things and 
you know, a, a, a fresh perspective, you know, to kind of see excellence isn't just something that you need to have in business. It's something you need to have in life. And just what you're doing, man, it's, it's, it's incredible to see, you know, I can tell you one brother to another, I love to see it. I can't get enough of it. I love seeing our people win, man. It, it, it makes me so happy, right? Because we don't see a lot of that growing up, you know? And, and so to now be the people that are in the position to show the young ones coming up under us, you can do it too. You know, it, it's, it, it's great to see, man. So uh, giving you your flowers, bro, it, it it's amazing what you're doing you know it, it's inspiring to see and uh just honored to have been able to get you on the show and and do an episode with you so seriously thank you man it's truly been an honor if you don't mind i'd like to kind of shed a little more context to what happened last year just for sure you know, we can include this or not but like sure. so when you all first reached out to me i was in the i was actually in the bubble in mm. orlando Mm -hmm. So like that time was just crazy busy. And then of course we get out. And at that time I was with Oklahoma city. So literally get out of the bubble and maybe a week later, that's when Washington reaches out and we start that interview process. So, and from basically the second week of September, by October 15th, I was moving here to DC. Mm. And my thing is as I was really, and I felt bad cause I didn't want you to think that I was ducking you. It was just, I mean, the timing couldn't have been more horrible. So then <laughs> I moved to D.C. and I was really wanting to be a man of my word. And I was sleep deprived because I actually drove from Oklahoma to D.C. So I hadn't gotten any sleep. The movers had come that day, but I did not want to cancel again because I'd already had to reschedule like two or three times. This is where I messed up. When we had scheduled it, we, I was in Oklahoma in Central Standard Time. So my phone hadn't really made the adjustment. So I was like, maybe it did. So I got on and then I, it was, yeah. So I got on and I was like, oh shoot, I'm wrong. I forgot it's an hour later. So I'd got on, I think you all were finishing up something. And then you had got on right after I got off. Cause I was like, oh shoot, it's not for another hour. Meanwhile, I had movers moving things in my house. So I was actually in my car about to do the interview with you all. So I was sitting there in the car. I'm sitting there like, because I mean, I got on there pretty early, if you all remember. I was just sitting there. I'm like, I'm tripping. This is not until 6.30. No, it was 5.30. So I get off and go back and start helping the movers. So then I go back on 6.30 and I'm waiting there for like 10, 15 minutes <laughs> to realize. I look at my phone. I'm like, oh, no, it was an hour ago. I mean, it was all bad. I mean, the movers had broken half of our things, too. So it was just a day. So I appreciate you all. <laughs> I had to lay it out there for being flexible, not giving up on me. But, yeah, that was a messed up day. <laughs> that was a very messed up day. Uh, bro, it's all good. <laughs> <laughs> I remember that, too, because I was like, yo. Because <laughs> in my mind, I'm like, yo, this man just moved to D.C. He's about to hop on this episode. Okay, let's do it. I tried. But look, like I told you all earlier, people tell me, like, Mike, you try to do too much at times. I just did not because I knew 
if I didn't do it then with the season right around the corner, I had to do it. Like similar to this, like when I saw the opportunity, I was like, oh, there's something because we literally start regular season next week. Right. We're doing preseason now. So it's I'm still kind of busy, but not as busy. as it, So it's like, man, if I don't do it now, we might not get to do this until like June or July next year because my schedule is so unpredictable. Nah, bro. Well, we we're grateful, man. We're beyond grateful. Everything, everything in this time, you know, and this was a amazing episode. So um, maybe it might not have been as good last year, man. You might have been kind of stressed, like, yo, these people done broke my stuff. They're moving, <laughs> they, they're moving everything in and out and I'm stressed right now, you know, so it, it's... Just got out the bubble. Right, I just got out the bubble. <laughs> Look, just had a, a baby. We just, just had, had a, a second baby. One. Exactly. Yeah, it was Look, crazy, yeah, man. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> see, see, I'm I'm grateful we did it now instead of back then. Then everything for a reason, brother. So, um, real quick, just for anyone that's listening and they're interested in uh, connecting with you, I know you said you're not big on social media, but what would be any uh, contact? you know, or social media, any like information you would want to leave for them to reach out to you if they uh, would like to? I would say the best way to reach me is on LinkedIn, which Michael Ashton, just look for the one who works for the Wizards. That's me as of right now. You know, there's no stability in professional sports. I say, as of right now, I work for the Wizards. (laughs) I mean, it's just the truth. I mean, there's no stability. Before I plug that, if you want to get into professional sports, understand there's no stability in it. The way that it's going right now, I mean, you see how coaches are being moved. There was a time where coaches were staying with teams five and 10 years. That's not happening anymore. Same thing with staffs. So make sure, again, that you have a backup plan because there's not a lot of stability in professional sports. However, you can hit me on LinkedIn or you can reach out to me on email, michael.ashton2 at gmail.com spell michael with an a-e-l perfect bro thank you um to our lovely listeners man this episode was fire y'all go leave five star reviews on the podcast uh apple i say this every time scroll to the very bottom hit the five stars leave a review two or three sentences why you thought this episode was helpful um I know you guys got value from this episode, even if you're not an entrepreneur, even if you're just in school, whatever the case may be, man, you got some kind of value from this episode. So go leave that review for us. We appreciate it. Um, Mike, once again, thank you, man. We appreciate your time. And guys, until next time, peace. Many blessings. Peace. Thank you for listening to another episode of Off the Clock. Don't be shy to leave a review and subscribe to the podcast. See you next episode.